Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. probably a little hard for us to understand or to fathom, but Jesus wasn't popular to everyone. Uh, there were some who opposed Jesus, there were some, as we know, that were so opposed to who Jesus was and what he taught that they wanted to put him to death. And Jesus's, I suppose, the things that he said and did were divisive. Uh, they weren't in line with normal worldly thinking. Uh, they always had an edge to them. And yet he was someone who was able to speak graciously in love, but really firmly. And so not everyone appreciated that, and not always everyone responded. And it's probably true that you can never really sit on the fence with Jesus and his teaching. Uh, We're all learning and growing, and there's some aspects of his teaching that are a real challenge that we find hard. But I'm sure here all of us have a sense where we're open and we're one with what Jesus taught. In other words... We're, we're willing and we're available to listen to what Jesus says to understand this is how we are to live. But there are others who rejected that totally and just thought, you know, that he was teaching against what they thought was right. And so Jesus is someone that you just cannot sit on the fence with. You have to be all in. And I believe that we're all in. I believe that we're people that look to Jesus to see how it is. But today, uh, there's a sense where it's easy for us to accept in principle what Jesus is teaching, but oh, it's so jolly hard to do. Uh, And we can almost do it outwardly, we can almost not fake it, but we can almost live in a way where we show Christian love to those people we don't like. But God's not so much interested in that outward expression, Uh, God is interested in our inner soul, how we respond inwardly. And so outwardly, if we're loving and caring for people, but inwardly, uh, we're still holding unforgiveness or or hatred or anger, uh, then God would understand that he needs to do a work on us. And so today, um, even as his disciples, even as those who love Jesus, even those who look to him and say, we want to follow his teaching, this idea of loving our enemies uh, is a huge challenge. It's a real struggle. And when we talk about enemies, it's not just um, necessarily to uh, a level that's extreme, but it's anyone that we hold an offence with or anyone that we don't feel one with. It's anyone that we don't feel before God that we're uh, on the, at the same level. So I need to clarify that. Um, I remember James Dobson uh, gave us great hope. Remember when James Dobson did that uh, parenting course? I don't know, 100 years ago. But he said, uh, he said this, and this was a relief for Kath and I, it sort of set us free. He says, you don't always like your kids, you just love them. And that's true. So it's not like I'm suggesting that we'll all be the best of buddies, that we'll all agree, that we'll get on naturally. There's just some people that we click with, there's other people that we don't. So it's okay at a Christian level to have people that are closer to us and people that aren't. But what we're talking about here is uh, an attitude where we are unable to love someone. 
where we're in a position where we just find there's some sort of barrier, there's something in the way of us loving someone else. And uh, today we're going to unpack this because if you just look at that, and we know it's radical and we know that's the way that Jesus taught, but there's a whole lot of stuff behind this before this becomes a reality. Um, if we just say, yeah, I love my enemies because Jesus told me to, that's really quite superficial um, and it, it's not really meant, it doesn't really have any value, it's just like the quick, it's like a quick apology. Someone upsets or hurts you and they just offer you a quick apology, oh, I'm sorry for that. It, it doesn't sort of register. So what we're trying to do is get to a point today where we understand what it really does mean to love our enemies or love those people that hurt us or love those people that have done something against us and so the challenge is huge and we're going to step through this we're going to look at some of these passages and give it background because this isn't easy and I'm not suggesting it's just something that you're going to walk away from here today saying yeah I can do that it won't be what I'm wanting to do today is to plant the seed of desire that each of us would come to the place of saying this is something I'm going to walk with God with uh, this is something I'm actually going to enter into with authenticity I'm not just going to give the quick, cheap sort of response, but I'm actually going to engage God in this. So that's all I want to do is plant the seed. Uh, and to start our journey of forgiveness, to start our journey of loving our enemies or those that hurts us, starts in verse 36. And Jesus said, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And so God's mercy to me is this radical display of unconditional love. There's nothing wrong with being just. In fact, you and I want justice. We want to live in the world where if someone does something really bad, that there's some consequences uh, and there's a price to pay. That's the sort of world. None of us want to live in a world where there's no justice. Uh, if I speed and I get caught, uh, I get a speeding fine. That's justice. We, we don't mind that. If someone does something really, really bad and they go to jail and serve a sentence, we understand that as justice. There's nothing wrong with justice. However, we need to understand that if God was just just, he would walk away from me. If God was only just, he would say, Paul, you've fallen short of the mark, you've fallen short of my glory. And God would be rightfully in a position where he could just walk away and say, Paul, you fend for yourself. That's justice. And so, although justice is a good thing and we live by it, we need to be thankful that God is not only just, but He's merciful. If God wasn't merciful to me, He would rightly, with no problems, just walk away from me because He's dealing justly. I've done the wrong thing, He can walk away as holy God. That's justice. But He is merciful and He is gracious and He is loving. And so, when we have an understanding of the mercy that God has shown me, when we have a grasp of the way that God, who could just deal with us as just, but He's gone the extra mile and He's shown us mercy and grace, you and I challenge to do the right thing. Because it doesn't make sense that we would love those people who hurt us. There's nothing in our human thinking, there's nothing within my makeup, there's nothing within my understanding of the world that says, if someone really hurts me, that I love them back. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense for a good reason. It doesn't make sense. There's nothing about this that makes sense. 
But I also understand there's nothing that makes sense why God would show mercy and grace to me. I don't deserve it. And so God in his justice understood that a price had to be paid for my sin. That's justice. But fortunately, he's also merciful. And in his mercy, he gave his one and only son to die in my place. So God is both just and merciful. You and I are good with the justice. We're not so good with the mercy. In other words, if someone has done something wrong, they need to pay. And in a just world, that's necessary. I'm not suggesting that we just overlook everything. But what I'm talking about is an attitude that is uh, willing to take on the example of Jesus, go the extra mile, and not just act in justice, but also to act in mercy. Thankfully, God is not only just, but he showed mercy to me. He showed mercy to me. I received what I didn't deserve. I received what I couldn't earn. I received his love and his acceptance and his adoption into his family purely as an act of grace. The price had to be paid, so God continued to be just, but in mercy he gave his own son. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they were there they crucified him along with the criminals, one to his right and the other to his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus had enemies. Jesus had people who didn't like him. Jesus had people who eventually set him to death. But in the heart of Jesus was this desire to have a choice where he chooses to forgive. And he chooses to show mercy when it's not justified or deserved. Loving your enemy is a huge challenge. It, it, it's right off the scale. It's probably the hardest thing that we're asked to do. But we need to understand that Jesus was the example and he demonstrated that. And this is the other thing that we need to remember. I didn't literally put nails in his hands and I literally didn't put the spear in his side. But I was jolly well there that day that they crucified Jesus because it was my sin, my shortcomings, my failures that sent Jesus to the cross. And if I can grasp that and if I can understand his mercy and his grace, I at least have to be open to the possibility that I want to pursue this journey, what Jesus is asking me to do, where I love my enemies. Because this is where it's sitting at the moment. Already you have made up your mind. <laughs> uh, I will not forgive that person. I will not enter into this thought that I love my enemies. Or, hopefully, we're open to the fact, not just to pay lip service to it, but say, okay, God, I want to be serious with you in my walk with you. I'm going to try and unpack what this means to love my enemies. The first thing that we need to do is to show some common sense. Uh, I think a literal understanding of, of this passage is one of the barriers to us. So if someone strikes you on the cheek, I would suggest that you walk away gracefully <laughs> and not invite them to hit you on the other one. Even more importantly, if someone takes your coat, I would ask for it back unless they need it and then you can let them have it but I certainly wouldn't start undressing and say, you want my coat, you want my shirt, you want my pants? You can see where that's going. 
what Jesus is trying to teach is an attitude. We don't have a look and just look at this from a man-made or human eyes where we just take a literal sense. (laughs) We need to have common sense when it comes to loving our enemies. We need to have an understanding of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. It's okay as Christians to be fair and reasonable. We don't have to be doormats. It's okay for us to be fair and reasonable where sometimes the best love is tough love if it's the most effective. We just don't have to be yes people. We just don't have to be doormats that people walk over. But we have in view, I suppose, uh, the sense where our attitude towards others is what Jesus is interested in. And the best way that I can explain this is by saying what God would like to see in us where we genuinely want the best for other people. Where within our heart we are free because of his love, mercy and grace, where every time we look at someone, whether we agree with them or not, whether they follow the same football team or the political party or not, or even if they've hurt us badly, that we would have an attitude where we still want the best for them because we love them with a Jesus love. It's not like we just sweep everything under the carpet. It's not like we go, oh, happy days, nothing's happened here, nothing to see. And we pretend to love them because they've acted properly towards us. No. We need to have a God's love that responds, that wants the best for people, even though those people are doing the wrong thing or have done the wrong thing or they have hurt us. So it's an attitude thing. It's a Christ-like thinking. We look at someone and even if they've hurt us, even if they've wronged us, we don't sweep it under the carpet. We'll talk about that in a minute. But our attitude is, God, I want the best for them. I have this love that you've demonstrated, that you've instructed in me to want the best for them. So what I'm wanting for you today is as you think about people, and I know circumstances and conversations and hurt and pain... Is all what's going through your head at the moment. I understand that. This isn't about just saying, oh, it's happily ever after. Let's just forgive and forget and move on like it never happened. That's rubbish. (laughs) That's, That's not what God's teaching. But what he is teaching that his spirit would so be a part of our heart that we can actually want good for someone even though they've hurt us. And that's a huge challenge and it's not one that I'm always willing to take. Because sometimes I just can't get my head around that to get to that place. And so we need to have the right attitude. We need to have common sense. This is not about just forgive and forget and just move on as if it never happened. That's rubbish. One of the things that we read in that passage uh, that's quite insightful, I suppose, for me to... It says, but I tell you these things, I tell you who hear me. In other words, if you're listening to me, I know there have been times for me when I've been hurt or I've been in a difficult or dark place where I haven't had the capacity to hear what Jesus is saying. Now, that's not a bad thing. That might be just where you are at the moment. I'm not suggesting that you're a terrible person because you can't hear from Jesus. What I'm saying is the level of your hurt and pain may be such that at this stage in this relationship or this journey, you just can't even hear these words that's okay. If you are really hurting, if you've suffered greatly and you can't even hear Jesus' words at the moment, that's okay. What I'm suggesting is that we have a willingness today to say, God, I want to get to that place 
where I can hear your voice and I can want the best for people where I can love my enemies. And the question I ask this morning is, are we willing to start the journey? Are we just willing to start the journey and say, God, I'm in so much pain now, I can't even think about anything, but I'm willing to start the journey. Because there's one thing that the Bible teaches, and it's something that we need to understand, that this is not a blind call for forgiveness at any cost. It is ridiculous to consider that instant forgiveness is what Jesus is talking about here. In other words, if someone's really hurt you, it's been really painful, you've been a difficult thing where you say, oh no, I forgive you, and you walk off as if nothing happened. That is ridiculous. One thing, it's going to be insincere, it's not going to be authentic, it won't mean anything. And all I know about God's teaching is that he wants authenticity, it's got to count, it's not just something we give lip service to. So when I talk about forgiveness, I'm not suggesting that it just is something that comes instantly. If there's been deep pain, this is going to take many months, if not years, to journey with God, to give him permission to bring healing into your heart. But what can we do? What does the Bible teach us? How, how do we start this journey? And we get an answer in verse 28. Pray for those that mistreat you. Uh, I think this is the first good step. But there's a one condition to our prayers. It has to be honest. <laughs> we don't pray as if we're in sort of some sort of state of uh, being far more advanced than we are. We pray honestly, God, I hate this person. God, when I look at their face, it makes me feel angry. I avoid this person. I would go to the other side of the street if I saw them coming. That's the sort of honest prayer that you've got to have when you're praying for someone when you want to love your enemies. It's not some sort of, uh, uh, some sort of expression that's not true to the heart. But this is the starting point. Can I encourage you, if you have broken relationships, if there needs to be forgiveness, if someone has hurt you, start praying, but pray where you're at and pray honestly. Don't jump ahead as if you've made more progress than you have. Just be honest in your prayer. God, I hate this person. They've ruined my life. In fact, all I can really think about is to bring revenge or that they suffer. That's a much better honest prayer than playing games with God. But the thing that we need to do to start this journey of forgiveness, to start loving our enemies, to love those who have hurt us, is to pray for those people who mistreat you. First step, but with the condition that you're honest, that you're honest. If this morning you believe it is impossible for you to love your enemy, I understand. If you feel this morning it's impossible to forgive someone, I understand. That is a perfectly normal and natural human response. There's nothing wrong with you. But there's one thing I suppose that Jesus challenges us with, and as he said, there's, Paul, that's a human response. But you actually have a higher calling now because you're a child of God. And as we read on, we see that. Jesus is reminding us of our higher calling. If you love those who love you, what credit is that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you, need, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those to whom you expect repayment, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners 
expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Wow. (laughs) But the reality is, because Jesus has broken into my life, I am a different person now. I'm not the same. And so how I live and how I treat people and my attitude to others has to be different from the world. We need to have that grasp that I am now a new person. I have a higher calling. And when Jesus says to love our enemies, he's doing such that we have been lifted above worldly thinking. Now, it doesn't make it any easier, but it helps us to understand why we should do something that doesn't make sense. Why we should do something that's not encouraged by the world. Why we would have an attitude that is so far different from worldly thinking. And the reason we enter into this journey to start the process of loving our enemies is because we are a child of God. We're no longer the same. We are different people who have God's spirit. We are able to do those things which humanly we couldn't do ourselves. Now, I am as good as anyone in justifying things. I am a great justifier. I remember my second car was an old Holden V8 four on the floor. And I just knew what my dad was going to say when I suggested that I should buy that. (laughs) But I am a great justifier. If you want to get into an argument or debate with me, you need to be prepared. (laughs) Because I can justify just about anything. And I can remember the spiel that I gave to Dad that night, and yeah, it's just well rehearsed and well done. But you and I are really good at justifying why this part of God's teaching is something that we don't pay attention to. We justify it by saying the pain is too deep, the hurt was too deep, that person uh, has no sense of remorse and all those things. So we can justify it, rightly so, from human thinking, but Jesus is saying... You have the capacity to go that extra mile that a non-Christian doesn't have. You have the capacity to do something which is radical. You have the capacity to do something which is unheard of, to love your enemies. And so our reasoning for not loving our enemies is often justified by human thinking, whereas if Jesus' teaching and example has access to our minds, then we realise this is something that we can do. But there's one final reason, and this is probably the most important reason why we need to start the journey. I want to just clarify something, just to make sure you hear me. What I'm suggesting today is that we start, we take the first step in the journey of saying, God, bring healing to me so that I can get to the place where I can pray for my enemies and I can want good for them. I'm not suggesting it is quick forgiveness where it's swept under the carpet and everything's happy. There needs to be remorse. There needs to be... Uh, consequences, there needs to be all those things that forgiveness is. But it's really important that we start the journey. Then your reward will be great and you'll be the sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. If you go through that passage, it says this is the measure by which you'll be judged. If you forgive others, you'll be forgiven. If you show mercy to others, you'll have mercy shown to you. As Christians, we are no longer judged. Our sin isn't held against us. You and I are children of God and that will always be the case. What does it mean then that this will be the measure by which our life will be measured? What Jesus is teaching is a really important principle that's quite broad. 
if we obey God, we live the bestest life. When we enter into this journey of wanting to forgive or love our enemies, it is the measure that we'll receive as a reward. Because there's something that happens when we don't. We take on two cancers of the soul (laughs) if we don't enter into this journey of loving our enemies, and it's called resentment and hate. And they are cancers that will eat you from the inside. In other words, they will damage you. You, They will shape your personality. They will shape your character. They will shape the way that you look at people and you look at life. Over the years of ministry, I have encountered many, many people who have never taken the steps of healing and forgiveness and starting that journey with Jesus... And now they are bitter and angry. They don't have a great life. They don't look at life with joy. They have been shaped by something that was no fault of theirs. But because they could never let go of it, it just ate them up. And so I want you to listen carefully because this is important. Don't be the victim twice. We're not justifying the offender. We're not suggesting that what they did didn't hurt. We're not suggesting that we just sweep it under the carpet as if it didn't matter. But if we hang on to anger and resentment, we're going to be the victim twice. First time we're the victim is when someone hurts us. We continue to be the victim because hatred and anger eats away at us from the inside and causes us to be bitter. Today's challenge is not an easy one. And if in any way that I've raised something that you don't understand or doesn't make sense or just doesn't sit right or you're even angry for me for saying it, um, don't add someone else to your list. Talk to me about it and we can discuss it. Because I am sensitive to the fact that it is impossible from a human perspective to love our enemies. It is acceptable from a worldly standard not to love our enemies. But what I'm asking for is an openness to start the journey where God's Spirit would have access to start the healing, that today you would take a step in the journey towards being able to pray for someone, wanting the best for someone, and letting God's Spirit bring the joy and the freedom of not being the victim twice. Loving your enemies is a long, painful journey of faith, but it's worth the effort because it cures you from the cancers, hatred and resentment. We don't want to be the victim twice. Let's pray. And probably now, more than at any other time, I want this response time to be really open Just so you hear what Jesus is saying, but you don't hear things that he's not saying. We recognise the hurt. We recognise there needs to be a genuine apology. We recognise that there is often consequences for bad behaviour. We are not saying those things are not legitimate. (laughs) But what we are saying is that God is so powerful and his spirit is so able to do a work in us that he can get us to the place where we can start praying for our enemies. 
where we can start to be in a place where we want the best for them. The Bible says, as far as it has to do with you, be at peace with one another. So there may well be people here today who have reached out to others, but they haven't responded. You need to know that you are free. You don't have to pursue that any longer. You are free. But we find in this case that even, even then, unless we've come to a place of letting God bring healing, we're still the victim. And it's still that burden and it's still heavy. <laughs> Would your response be, if you're able to hear God's voice, God, I want to start this journey of healing. I want to start this process. I'm not there yet. I'm not even close. But I want to start the process where you bring healing to my heart. That I might pray for others, that I might want the best for them that I wouldn't hold on to any anger or resentment. I don't want that cancer to eat me away and make me bitter. But I want to experience your healing and your freedom and your joy. We're going to just change things. We're going to sing uh, It Is Well with my soul. We're going to finish with that. Would you like to stand and sing that as a testimony to God's faithfulness?